Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is CMO Moves, the podcast that showcases the human side of game-changing leaders. Here's their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. We hope you'll enjoy their stories and take away a few tips and inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in for another episode of CMO Moves. I am here with Sadira Furlow, CMO of Happy Money. Sadira, welcome. Hi, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Been and waiting for this moment all my life. Yes, I'm so excited. I just found out a, this is Sadira's first podcast and you would never know it talking to her. You're such a pro, but happy to be your first podcast. I'm actually fairly new to podcasting myself. So we'll Let's go uh, on the journey yeah. together. Be kind to me, Heidi. Be kind to me. Likewise, likewise. And Sadira, remind me, you are in Dallas, right? I am. I am coming to you live from the Lone Star State, baby. Wonderful, wonderful. And and Happy Money is California-based. So are you between California and Texas I, right now? Yep. So I'm between Dallas and LA. We have gone fully remote since the pandemic. So I would say I technically work in the cloud. I have a passport. So... <laughs> that I could be anywhere. Yep. That's where we all are right now. I, I'm just excited to learn a little bit more about this role, why you took it on. You're Happy Money's first ever CMO, correct? 
first ever watch out. Yep. And Uh, it's your first CMO role and it's your first podcast. Lots of firsts going on here today. So, so happy money for those of you who don't know, high growth fintech startup company, California based and Sadira, you took on the role about seven months ago. Right. And you were uh, prior with PepsiCo across many different brands. I can't wait to dive into some of those moments, but uh, tell us a little bit about your role now, kind of what your focus areas are and why you decided to take that on. Yeah, I'd love to share. I'd have to say seven months ago, I never expected that I would be in the world of fintech. I mean, it's a pretty big change to go from the world of snacks and the world of PepsiCo and you know, consumers to a world of fintech, high growth, dynamic, disruptive. But what I'd say the bridge was for me and and why I wanted to take on the opportunity of becoming the first CMO was really that it was a mission-based organization. You know, we've talked a lot about brand purpose and we had brand purpose with a lot of the brands that I've built, but it's very different when you have an opportunity to go to a company with a mission like Happy Money, which is really about transforming the relationship that consumers have with money, helping them get out of debt, helping them become savers, investors, and givers. And to be able to work with a CEO and a founder was totally different than anything I'd done before. Also, just the use of science as a part of building that relationship, making it personalized. So, you know, my personal journey with money and recognizing everyone has their own journey and how the data and information can actually help at an individual level transform that relationship was exciting. And then I'd say the third thing that really stood out to me in making this leap was the exceptional executive leadership team. I've worked with a ton of smart people, particularly at a place like PepsiCo. And so it was important to me that as I looked at the opportunity that I still would be able to work with such a high caliber of talent. And it has just been phenomenal. For those of you who joined us for Media Week, Sadira joined us for a masterclass on purpose-led media. And I was just commenting, it's really refreshing to hear you talk about that purpose being at the center of not only why you took the role, but the work that you're doing. It's so paramount. So tell us about your focus area. You're coming in, you're working directly with a founder. It's a totally different world than, than PepsiCo, like you said. What are you overseeing in your CMO role and how are you shaping it given it's the first CMO role for the company? What, I, what I'm working on now is first and foremost, like building out the team. Mm-hmm. I'd say one of the reasons that Happy Money was looking for a CMO is that we are at the precipice of architecting a new chapter forward, not only in growth, but in terms of how we're building and developing this brand. And so one of the things I love is building high-performing teams. And so I've been spending a lot of time of identifying what our needs are, finding the right people, particularly, again, when you're at a mission-driven you know, company, Talent and culture are so incredibly important to being able to be successful at delivering on the mission. Underneath marketing, I'd say I have performance or growth marketing, uh, comms, brand development, product marketing, internal design team, member experience, insights. I think I've captured it all, right? It's pretty pretty robust. (laughs) So Sadira, tell me a little bit about Did you ever think you'd be a CMO? Was that always part of your plan? 
No, <laughs> I never planned to be a CMO. Actually, I thought I was going to be an orthopedic surgeon. What? Um, <laughs> yeah, right. Completely different. Here I am, CMO. I mean, when I started out, I was, I mean, I've been a competitive athlete all my life. I've loved sports. I tore my ACL. I had an amazing doctor that helped put me back together and got me out on the field. And it was such a transformative experience that I was like, that's what I want to do. I went to school to study that. And long story short, I didn't finish my requirements for taking the MCAT and I got into advertising as like in the in-between time, meantime, while I did that. And I started at Leo Burnett. Oh. And no one told me that when you are in advertising, you are, you know, it's not nine to five. And I missed a couple physics labs. And so the deferred dream of becoming a surgeon kind of just, you know, hung out in the background. And actually getting into advertising was, I'd say, one of the best things for me. What it unleashed in me was this passion for creativity, the ability to use creativity and ideas to actually change behavior. I was a sociology major. And so was, the world of advertising was super exciting. And I stayed in that for a majority of my career. And only, I'd say in the past seven years or so, did I make the switch into brand marketing. And when I first, I think, became aware of what a CMO is, what they do, what it could be. So I have enjoyed the experience and the journey to here. And what I say about being a CMO is it's different for everyone. And I don't know if there are too many roles or positions out there that are as dynamic as the CMO role. Yeah, especially now it's being shaped by the day, right? It's no longer this uh, cookie cutter position. And you find like, I, that's why I was curious about your remit and what you oversee as CMO, yeah. because it is so different depending on the organization and can change just based on the needs. Could you pinpoint any specific moments in your career or maybe people who have helped you along the way to when you really look at being CMO today? How did you get there? Yeah, I'd say there are a couple of things. And, and I'd start with what I've come to learn and love about the CMO role is, is the pressure and the permission to evolve. And you've got the pressure because you're dealing with a consumer and a business and the role marketing plays in terms of the accountability for growth. And then the permission because the space is dynamic. Consumers are dynamic. And I don't know any other role where you get the gift of those two permission and a pressure. Uh, when I think about either key decisions that led me here or people, I believe it started with a leap that I made when I was still on the agency side of moving to New York. And I moved at the age of 34. I also had just started my walk with God. So here I was like, going to move to New York where I didn't know anyone to open the New York office of the agency that I was with and it just started my walk of faith. And it was terrifying. And I remember that feeling of fear, but I still chose to leap. And I moved to New York, I opened the office and it was that moment that became the catalyst for all the leaps I've taken since then, including moving from agency life to brand life to one of the things I did at PepsiCo in my five years there, I had five roles across three divisions. 
And so what led me is to continue raising my hand and said, yeah, I'll take on that crazy challenge. I'll take on that transformation. And as I've done that, I think what I've built is a reputation around being a bit of a utility player that I have a robust set of skill sets where they can be applied to a variety of challenges. And I think when you think about the CMO role, even to what I shared of like the breadth and scope of responsibility is you really need this multidisciplinary background and experiences to continue delivering on the pressure of changing to mm-hmm. keep up with consumers' needs. Yeah, and you won't get that without change or those those leaps of faith. I love what you just said. I um, my middle name's actually Faith. My mom named all of us. My three sisters and we're all, oh, that's so cool. Uh, Sadir showing me her faith tattoo on her wrist. We, she gave us all the same middle name and we've actually kept it as a girl tradition in my family. So my nieces have faith as their middle name. And it's just a constant reminder that my mom wanted to instill in us. And I think that's so powerful and so important to your, when you look at your career, it's like, are you, are you really taking those risks and and taking those leaps? I'd also say with with that. So I think there's definitely the personal journey of getting there. And you had asked me, like, are there any people? And, and I think there are a couple people for sure along the journey. What I'd say is when you find those leaders that are so vested in you, and they, there are times where you find leaders where they see your potential and they see your capabilities and strengths before you do, mm-hmm. that take chances on you. And they put you in positions that stretch you and they make you uncomfortable. There were definitely leaders, I'd say, at PepsiCo who, it wasn't just me raising my hand saying, hey, I'm willing to take it on. It was those leaders saying, hey, you, and bringing the opportunity to me and having that conviction and belief. And I think that's equally important because there will be others that see things in you that you don't see in yourself and and entrusting them, right? And you trusting yourself to take that leap it becomes a snowball effect that just, I think, gives you courage to continue doing it and also learning how resilient you can be. But we're not always motivated to take those leaps. And we sometimes need those people to kind of push or pull us into those spaces. Absolutely. Yeah. Quick shout out to Nadine Dietz for being my pusher always, because I wouldn't I wouldn't be doing this podcast or be in this position without her doing exactly what you just described. So it's a really good tip. And when you look at your career, what would you say is one of your proudest career moments or something that you like you look at and you're like, man, I mean, there's so many things on your record, by the way. For those of you who don't know, Sadir was named one of Adweek's brand geniuses. It's a really prestigious honor. Our editorial team works really hard to to pick those who are truly doing innovative work. And there were several things across Sadir's time at PepsiCo that were so noteworthy. One of them being, of course, Puppy Monkey Baby, who could forget? It is forever ingrained in my brain, that that Super Bowl spot. But for from your perspective, what is one of those most proud career moments you can think about? Gosh, there is one I would say, and I'm looking at my wall over here. I think one of the ones that I continue to be the most proud of is Life Water. And if you don't know, you definitely need to go out and check out Life Water in the store, but it, Life Water is premium water brand that at my time at PepsiCo is my second role there. We're basically from the ground up. We built a premium water offering, which up until that time, 
PepsiCo had not been uh, successful in actually getting something to market in a sustainable way. And at the time, Smart Water was the marketplace leader. And to build something from the ground up within PepsiCo that is purpose-based. And I think that was a, that's a really big part of it because people can get water out of the faucet, right? And so really what made this different, what makes Life Water difference was rooted in the belief of creating space and using the bottle as a canvas to showcase uh, the sources of creation and creativity out in the world, to spark dialogue. You can even see recently that they partnered with Issa Rae and bringing visibility to black creators. And so to have built something that has created a legacy, not only in a sustainable business, but in terms of impact out in the world around social change, around cultural change is, I still get goosebumps because I, you know, I'm at the checkout and I see somebody with the bottle, I see somebody holding it and I'm flooded with all those memories and conversations of what it took to actually birth that and to see that people are still celebrating that makes me incredibly proud. Just goes back to your purpose, really the power of purpose in the work that we do. And once you feel that, it's a really good feeling. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you can't walk away. It's just like everything I want, want to do. I want to do it with purpose and I want it to be attached to purpose. And when you realize you can have that kind of impact as a leader it's very hard to not have that as a part of what you're doing. Absolutely. And fast forward to today, what work are you leading right now that you're most excited about with Happy Money? Right now at Happy Money, we are in a, a building stage. We are building the brand. We have over time created several amazing products and we have an amazing mission. We're in the process, I, I call it a getting the product babies into the brand house and defining what that house is, what it looks like, how we're going to show up. So it is one of my favorite parts of marketing is the actual foundation creation and setting. But while we're also doing that, we are still trying to build momentum for the movement. And that's one of the things I shared in the masterclass is the role that content is playing as a part of creating that momentum. There are things that we're doing here in April, which is National Financial Literacy Month, and approaching it from a very different perspective of not just telling people here some information, but really equipping them with different solutions, making it, I'd say, culturally interesting, like ways to hack things that are very applicable to everyday life. I love in, in the masterclass you were talking about just again, like starting with that content and meeting consumers where they are and the way that they're talking about money on social media and other platforms. How has it changed? And I know you're seven months into the role. You started in the middle of the pandemic. How has kind of that strategy even evolved since day one of you getting there in terms of content? When I arrived in day one, we were dormant on social. So we really hadn't had a presence, I'd say, for a good six months. So we weren't really leveraging content. And that was one of the first things I wanted to do is, hey, we've got to get our voice out there. And in terms of understanding what our voice is, one of the things I noticed as I was just getting smart about the category myself is actually how much conversation is actually happening around money, Heidi. And I started to follow people and look at my feed and 
I mean, people, everyone had a recipe for how to hack debt. I, I heard like, that. Yeah. Right. It's like having a, a recipe for meatloaf. And everyone's like, once you have gone through the process of being in debt and getting out of it, you want to evangelize it. Yeah, totally. right? You want to tell everyone about it. And so that was a big part of, even as we looked at our pillar of helping borrowers become savers, like, what is our recipe? What are our hacks for helping people? How do we amplify people that have hacks, our members using their testimonials as a part of like, hey, I did it, you can do it too. And here's my journey and here, mm -hmm. here's my story. I think there's also a part with the content of what we're doing is just normalizing conversations on money. And I think you're starting to see that where I say the cloak of secrecy is being pulled back mm -hmm. where people want more transparency. People want more access to how to build wealth. People want to change the system. People want to have a better experience, a more personal experience. And I think we are on the precipice of money and finance becoming the next emerging cultural pillar. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing it in the connection between the utility of money and social platforms, right? Every social platform, whether it's Clubhouse and new partnerships with Stripe, you're seeing Instagram and commerce showing up there is, is super interesting. And we want to be a part of the solution and conversations in those spaces. Boy, I could have used some of these hacks a few years ago, let me tell you. But <laughs> But as good as becoming, I love that it's becoming more normal to your point, just bringing more transparency and what better way to do that than through content and starting your role in the middle of the pandemic. What advice can you share? There are several people um, in your position, whether it's CMO or just marketing in general, who are, who find themselves, okay, I'm starting remote. Haven't met their team in person. Like anything you can share that was helpful for you? That's such a great question, Heidi, because candidly it was one of the things that I had the scary Sundays on the, the day before my first day, because I've never come into a new role or a new organization in a remote environment. You know, I was so used to all of us, right? When you usually start something, you come into an office. And what I learned is a big part of onboarding or integrating or operating in this space is you've lost a bit of the observational learning, mm -hmm. right? Which helps you process the clues of the culture, kind of the dynamics of things, seating arrangements, all those things that help you onboard quickly. And so I learned for myself, how am I going to recreate the observations? How is I going to create and build trust very early on? And so I took time and was very intentional around in safe ways how to actually meet up with people. And I'd say, hey, I'm in LA or I'm in this area. If you are open to taking a walk, if you're open to having coffee at a safe distance, I would welcome that opportunity. I'd say the second thing that I would encourage people to do that's really important is how do you keep a pulse on your people? Because you don't get to see them. You don't get to see if someone's struggling. You only see what is presented on Zoom. And so I've instituted something as a part of my Monday weekly MLT meeting is I call it pulse check. And I just have people drop in emojis, including myself in the chat box. And we use the emojis I found as a way to facilitate discussion and for me to understand 
where someone's mindset might be from week to week without it feeling so rigid. Mm -hmm. And it's really helped to open up more dialogue and discussion that is much more rich. It's a big topic, just team health, motivation right now. And then of course you just add the layer of being new and trying to form those relationships. So thank you for sharing that. Everyone's looking forward to those in-person coffee, coffee dates and walks. You in your first role as CMO, are there any tips or advice you can offer? Say somebody who is perhaps one or two roles away from that, whether they know that's their next move or not, or somebody who's looking for like a career shift, like the one that you Mm -hmm. made coming from snacks to fintech, what would you offer them as some advice? The advice I'd give to folks if they are interested in taking a CMO path, probably a few things I'd say, one, in order to be a great marketer, period, whatever title that may be for you is you have to be a curious person. Like curiosity is your competitive advantage in the space. Like curiosity breeds intimacy, right? Intimacy gets you to empathy. And when you are dealing with consumer centric things, you need to be able to bring empathy as well as we've talked about how how dynamic the space is. You've got to be curious a perpetual learner. Otherwise, you will not be able to be successful at this role. I'd also say you need to be multidisciplinary in your experiences, right? So as you think about what's the next role, what are the things that I need to do to broaden myself? Where do I need to go deep? I am a big believer in the value and power of being a generalist particularly as you think about being able to step in a different situation, solve different business problems and how dynamic things are, you need you know, a toolkit and a collection of experiences that is going to allow you to be agile in response to that. Mm-hmm. And so I encourage people take those broadening experiences, even at a CMO level, I'd say my current role is still a broadening experience for me. I moved from CPG into FinTech. I don't come from a finance background. I don't come from a tech background. That's my broadening stretch area where I'm able to leverage my strengths. But also, again, that journey of curiosity and perpetual learning will allow me to be a better holistic marketer. Yeah, and we're we're seeing a lot of that. I mean, just the cross-industry shifts and moves. We just published an article encapsulating the the most recent CMO moves from the past four to five months. And you see that, like, it's not everybody staying in the same industry. Sure, you have those who, who move within their industry, but that's no longer the top qualifier. It's really those other things you just described. Are there any other skills you would say are, in your mind, paramount for marketers moving forward? Like getting comfortable with data and technology is so paramount and I will tell you for myself, and again, it's the change from going from like really big company where you had a lot of specialized teams within a matrix to a startup environment where Heidi, I tell you like, I am the one reporting on performance. I'm going into Tableau, pulling the reports and there isn't a a team and a special group. No, that's, that's me. And so the data and technology is going to be the quiver in in your cap that's going to allow you to accelerate. And everything is going to be connected to technology. Everything is going to eventually be D to C. We saw it in the pandemic, the radical shift in behavior of people moving online or 
I even joke, I remember how hard it was to just get, you know, folks to use a QR code. Mm -hmm. And now everywhere you go, menus, my parents are pulling out their phone. How funny. Yes, you're so right. Right? I thought the same thing. I was like, I thought the QR code died. And then (laughs) then it's like we were relying on it to like order food at a restaurant. So funny. Exactly. So I think the data and technology piece is paramount because everything is moving in that direction or already there, or is going Mm -hmm. to have a sizable component of that, that it is not an easy muscle to build. Mm -hmm. And so the sooner you start building it and again, getting close and understanding it, the better able you will be to extract the value from it. And as you get into these rooms with other leaders, you're going to have to learn how to work with a CTO or chief product officer or other cross-functional leaders that maybe have a, a bigger or greater depth of technology, I'd say fluency. And so you don't want to be left behind because you don't have that skill set. That's a big change. Like you mentioned, I used to work at Coke actually, and I know the feeling it's like dedicated team for everything. And then you come <laughs> into a role where you're really the generalist and having to kind of be an expert in all these things. Was there anything else kind of surprising to you? after a few months in the role that maybe you didn't quite anticipate coming from a bigger organization to a startup like Happy Money? Things I didn't even, like, you know, but then you're like, oh, I didn't know. No. Until you Uh, live it. (laughs) Until you live it. And you're just, I I, I built a lot of empathy. I have, my humility has grown. Other surprises, I would say, even things so so simple, but so powerful. I just look at my marketing budget, right? Really big budget size of business delivering on big brands, billion dollar brands to start up and building a brand. You still need the financial stewardship and accountability, but it also looks very different. Like Mm -hmm. I've learned at Happy Money, I have to bring folks along in a very different way where it is not necessarily, I'd say, so ingrained the power and value of brand building. So even as I've had to figure out and bringing others along and doing some education along the way is how do I look at attribution? When is this investment? Because right, every dollar counts, right? We're, we're raising money. And so I've got to be able to say, instead of on the acquisition side, if I invest a dollar here on the brand building, when is that going to pay back? Mm-hmm. Um, what is that cycle, particularly in our business? And I can relate. Those are not things that I had to do in this type of way when I was at a bigger company. So it's been surprising of even what is that algorithm? What is that formula for doing that? I'd also say product marketing, what innovation looks like, what R&D looks like. Mm -hmm. In my new world, R&D is in our science. Like that's our special magic sauce on the inside. What is our roadmap on the R&D related to our science and psychometrics and the studies? What else are we learning about happiness and the relationship to money that then allows us to go create better products or more personalized experiences for consumers? What does an innovation roadmap look like within this world? So there have been things where oh, it's, it's all relatively the same. And then you get into it and there are different requirements 
particularly of marketing in order to be successful in these spaces. Yeah. And just marketing's role in product development and getting so close to it in certain roles. Corey Marchisoto, fellow uh, brand genius winner. She was on the podcast a few months ago with Nadine and I, and I found it fascinating because she actually oversees product development for Elf Cosmetics. And just that it's not very common for marketers or CMOs to do that, but it makes perfect sense. Like CMOs have the pulse of the consumer how do you bring that back to product development in like a seamless loop? And certainly there's other ways to do it, but I find that that's a trend we're seeing more of. I'd say the other thing, which is I imagine others are, I wouldn't say struggling with it, but it, it is a difference in terms of organizational structure and design. I think I may even have brought this up to you of like, Hey, is there a masterclass? Because I am trying to gather information because they're very tough questions as you think about, What's the best way to align resources? What's the organizational structure that supports that? What should marketing own? Should marketing analytics be within marketing? Should marketing report to product? Should product report to marketing? And these lines of ownership and decision-making, I think are less clear, particularly as things are dynamic and ultimately where the investment or who's better poised from like a technical skill set versus the consumer intimacy, where one begins and where the baton passes are is what I find to be a a big part of the excitement, but also the challenge as we plot our path forward and trying to get really clear on where the guardrails are and who owns decisions and where things should lie, that it's nice to not have a playbook, but also in developing any sort of playbook around that is not without, it's it's tough moments. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's one of the six topics we're actually tackling with the CMO playbooks right now. I, and it's great because everybody's coming to it with, from a different perspective. So you can kind of learn a little bit based on maybe what organization, but yeah, reallocation of resources, how you're thinking about your marketing support mix as a whole, externally, external partners, internal. It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> Um, Sadira, unfortunately, we're coming to the end of our time. I could talk to you all day and I'm so happy you joined me on the show. And I, you know, you shared at the beginning what you started out in college thinking you were going to be for a living. I don't know if that would be your answer to this question, but if you were not a CMO and you had all the money and talent in the world, yes, what would you be doing? I have thought about this question, Heidi. And one of the things about me, I, it's hard for me to pick one thing. I'll give you two. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, can I negotiate for two? Well, one thing I know that I would be for sure is I would love to be a children's book writer or author. I always, I have a, a note in my, my phone that's called, I got a couple books in me. And it's where I jot down the ideas that I have on like a book that I'd write. And one of the things on my bucket list is I want to write a children's book with my dad called Hey Kiddo. He's always called me kiddo since I was a a little whippersnapper. He was my softball coach for 10 years while I played competitively. And I think there's just a lot, particularly I'm biracial. My dad and I are best friends and the story of just the role that dads play in the life of being a woman or being a girl is is such a special thing that I want to capture it. And so I definitely say I'd want to be a writer, a children's book writer. 
Number I two. That. I love that idea. <laughs> I, as a parent who has read some kids books that should have never been published, I would vote <laughs> for that one. And so any publishers listening, let's get that one made. That sounds like an awesome idea. Thank you. Number two, this might surprise people, but maybe not. I would say I would want to go be a, a pastor. One of the things that in being on my walk of faith and the role that it plays and the role that God plays in my life and on that journey is I came to it later in life and inside of me, it's just something that I want to share. Like I want to, I want to help other people. I want to be able to share it in a way that also is maybe a little bit differently than how it's been experienced before. And it's such a key part of how I'm able to show up authentically that I think everybody would benefit if we could all just live our best lives by being our best self um, and how we treat people, how magical that would be. So author or pastor. <laughs> and that's the marketer in you looking to innovate how, how to be a pastor and bring that message forward. I love that. That's awesome. Aww, thank you. I am so excited to continue seeing the work that you and your team will, will do with Happy Money. And it's been an absolute pleasure. I'm so excited for this newish, it's still new role. So excited for you yes. to continue um, your journey. Thank you again for being here today, Sadira. Thank you, Heidi. I appreciate all the support and just the opportunity to be able to share about, I'd say, all the fun that I'm having and hopefully and what I shared that it makes it a little bit easier for someone else or inspires them or, hey, hit me up. I'm open to all the feedback and guidance you have to make it a little bit easier for myself. But thank you for the incredible opportunity. I love hanging out with you. Absolutely. And we'll be sure to drop a link to Sadira's uh, masterclass with this podcast so that you can check it out. Thanks so much and God bless. See you later. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And we hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, we'd love your help in sharing CMO Moves with one of your friends or colleagues. And please also be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Better yet, leave us a review while you're at it. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just the thing for you. Meet Viral Growth your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.